Hey, listen. Welcome to the Hey, Listen Games cast. This is episode 41. I'm your host, Jeffrey Morris. With me today is the always wonderful Rob Douglas. What's up, guys? And fresh off a trip to the ER last night, Nathan Wagner. <laughs> How you holding up? <laughs> Woo! Yeah, I love going to the ER. Actually, we went to urgent care, but same oh, difference. Sorry. <laughs> same thing. Same thing. Um, yeah, Nathan uh, was so upset after a Zelda boss last night that he sliced his thumb open on his uh, Joy-Con. So, very, very yeah. brutal. I'm planning on suing Nintendo about that, so hopefully I'll win. <laughs> <laughs> no, Nathan, Nathan's okay. Um it's just, just a little kitchen accident, but we're, we're glad glad he's able to join us here today. We've got a good show planned for you guys, so uh, uh, we're going to start off things by rounding up the April Fool's gags uh, that kind of went around the gaming world uh, this week. Uh, as always, um, lots of different video game companies and websites um, and games like to kind of sometimes put little fun bonus uh, gags and pranks into their um, websites and games. So, um, Rob, I, I I think you should talk about this first one here that NVIDIA did. I, I think this is one of my favorites. Okay, so I'll, I'll be honest. Overall, I was kind of disappointed by a lot of the pranks this year. Um, there wasn't a there wasn't a lot of good ones, but I think NVIDIA definitely did probably the best one out there. So NVIDIA is a uh, they normally design hardware for computers. But they put out a NVIDIA GeForce GTX G-Assist. It's basically a USB thing that you can plug into your computer. And it has such great features like Ghost Play, where it will record how you play the game. And then when the pizza man shows up and you need to go answer the door, you can just hit NVIDIA Go. And it will start playing the game exactly like you would. So, you know, essentially tricking your friends into thinking that you're still playing. It's still (laughs) playing as good or in Nathan's case, as bad <laughs> as he was before. Yes. Um, it, had, it had some other features. It had, like, a boss boost, so it would kind of give you extra stats or um, extra help to beat bosses. It has a nurture mode where, basically, it will restock your fridge and food and actually will also, just to make sure that you're doing okay on that long MMO uh, run, and also to uh, send gifts to your significant other so you can stay married. <laughs> And it has a game train, so in the middle of the game, if you're just really struggling with the game, it, instead of going on YouTube and watching hours and hours of tutorials, you, it'll give you little helpful tips in-game. So, all around, this is Nathan's dream. dream device. <laughs> so, fun fact, we were talking about this before the show, and I thought it was a real device. Until <laughs> like, oh, that's, that's an April Fool's prank. It's not real. I was like, oh, Really? <laughs> yeah it's like a it's a game shark for uh modern modern games and pcs yeah. i <laughs> yeah. mean that's what it sounds like so you know I, besides the whole nurturing thing all of no. this i feel like could be possible today yeah no it, i mean it's actually it is probably clever. True. They, they put out a uh little little youtube video with like a guy like showing like the little little dongle that you plug in and how it runs so i thought i thought it was a pretty pretty well-made little prank it was pretty fun nice that's awesome yeah it looked really i i'm excited for the console version of this i want to yeah i'm gonna need the console version because i don't (laughs) play on that pc well and also i really what i really want out of this is i want an rpg mode called grind (laughs) 
<laughs> literally just, just said it and we'll just grind for hours. Uh, that, that's I mean, what I would be tempted to play more RPGs <laughs> if that was true. <laughs> no, I My remember... younger siblings would just say, if I gave them the system, they would start playing their own game. I'm like, dude, I gave it to you so you could grind the levels. They're like, Oh, well, I wanted to play my game. Yeah, no, I'd give it to my younger brother with, like, Pokemon or something like that, and I'd get it back, and, like, all my Pokemon had raised a few levels. And if I let him play too long, he may have, like, accidentally, like, overwritten, like, one of the, like, Fire Blast or something. I'm like, no! But, uh, yeah. Um, So moving on, um, Sega put out a 8-bit Bayonetta game on Steam, and uh, I didn't really look up the footage, but it seemed like it was just a really simple, just kind of pixelated free download where you could just kind of shoot um, characters as Bayonetta. Um, however, immediately following this, they launched a website with a countdown that ends, um, I think, in about a week. And there's this timer that just is going down this website, <laughs> hinting at some sort of possibly Bayonetta reveal. Um, so obviously, Internet's freaking out. Um, I think this could be one of either two things. This is a Bayonetta 3 announcement, and they're going to announce a new Bayonetta game, probably for the Switch or whatever else. Um, Or it could be Bayonetta 1 coming out for um, Steam and PC, because the original Bayonetta was um, 360 and PS3 exclusive. Um, And then it came to Wii U later, but it's never been on PC before. So um, what do you guys think this countdown's for? First off, the fact that they released this on April Fool's Day is an 8-bit kind of joke, almost. And then it's still there, and they're still leading off of it, what is clever marketing. But I I almost wonder if it's a remastered version of the first two. Like, put them, package them together for the the Switch? I, oh, think, it's, I think it's actually... I think it'll be uh, the first two, possibly mastered. I don't know, but uh, coming to Steam because I don't think neither of those games yeah. ever did on Steam. So, the fact that it released on Team Steam, I would love to be like, oh, it's going to be some cool new thing for the Switch or like Bayonetta three or something like that. But I'm going to mm-hmm. go with the conservative approach of both those games are going to be on Steam. Well, Nintendo directly published and funded Bayonetta two, so I have a hard time oh, believing right. that that that's would true. come out on other consoles are on steam because yeah. nintendo yeah. would basically say we were putting yeah, a, game, no. a game we paid money yeah. for out on pc uh so that makes sense i forgot about that yeah. but probably uh, the i, I think one. the first one could for sure yeah you never know because i know nintendo's been trying to play nice with a bunch of third-party organizations and trying to play nicer with some of the other consoles so to speak I guess. because they're i mean like you know at least to a certain extent, like trying to get Skyrim on there and some other ones more quickly. Well, but I, I mean, this is Nintendo. And so we are living in an age where you can play Mario and fire emblem on your iPhone or Android device. So, which is true. So they're already doing a little cross platforming and Bayonetta is technically not a Nintendo like IP IP character. It's not Mario. It's not Zelda. So, you know, Yep. there's a possibility. I would be that would be exciting. We I would be we shocked though because, like you said, they funded it, so yeah, they'll let it off their platform. Yeah. It could be, you know, like we've seen before with Mario Kart 8 and uh, Lego City and these other kind of games that came, started out as Wii U exclusives coming to Switch. Maybe you know they're mm-hmm. remastering it, put on Switch. That shouldn't be too hard for them to do, but I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. 
well, we'll let you guys know if anything comes out of that news. Um, I think my personal favorite April Fool's joke this year was on Google. They put uh, Mrs. Pac-Man out on Google Maps. So wherever you were looking at on Google Maps, like if there's a bunch of streets or whatever, you could click a little um, Pac-Man icon that was on the map, and you could Mm -hmm. literally just play Mrs. Pac-Man on your phone or on your desktop and just go on all the little streets, and like the little ghosts would come out, and there's power pellets. Like It was a fully playable Miss Pac-Man anywhere in the world. So (laughs) I actually messed around with it for like five, ten minutes, and it was actually a lot of fun. So Yeah, I was playing a little Pac-Man in uh, Eugene, Oregon. Just because. Nice. Yeah. I'm excited for Pac-Man Go in like two years. Pac-Man yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so that was cool. Um, I, uh, was there any other April Fool's jokes that caught you guys' eye? Um, uh, the one that I saw, kind of the last one, you know, sort of. I didn't see it. I didn't play it, but there were apparently talking unicorns in Battlefield One replacing the uh, the horse. So <laughs> I thought that was kind of clever. That's that's did actually a, that's actually. What did they, they say? You know, they would say stuff like, "Please don't touch my horn." <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> These, like, legit pink rainbow-like unicorns? or they, I think they were whitish, but they might have okay. been pink. Like, a really pale pink. That's awesome. But, you know, just the fact that this really serious World War mm. One shooter <laughs> game throws unicorns in their multiplayer for a day. Yeah. No, like, that, why not? That's awesome. Why not? I, I, know, see... uh, I know Diablo 3 did did that. There's There's, like, a special kind of, like, treasure goblin that you can kill and when you defeat it basically it opens up this rainbow portal and you run in and you literally go into like this like bright green and blue happy rainbow land and you there's unicorns <laughs> everywhere and you just slay all the unicorns and like decapitate them and get all this gold and i it was like the most weirdest thing but it was like a part of the full <laughs> game but it only activates like once like every like 20 30 hours so it's extremely rare to to see i've only seen it once but I, I've seen that before in a game like that, and it's it's always hilarious because it's such a that's great awesome. thing. <laughs> yeah, I just love it when developers don't take themselves too yeah. seriously and say, "Here, we're going to throw this ridiculous thing into our already packaged game." I was that's I think that was there was a couple of those this year, but I think that was probably my favorite of all of them. Yeah, did you guys see uh, Nintendo Japan's April Fool's prank? Oh, yeah. Wasn't it like a fake Fire Emblem game or something? Yeah, so like a bunch oh, of people yeah. didn't even realize it was a prank because uh, Nintendo of Japan tweet, uh, put out this thing called uh, Fire Emblem Battle of Revolution. And they had like official screen art and everything like that coming to Nintendo 3DS and Switch <laughs> and stuff. But it was like this set in kind of like revolutionary times and then like uh, with like old school like 8-bit style graphics and stuff like that. And on the bottom of the website it said like this is a this is a prank, this is not real whatever. Mm-hmm. And that it was a joke. So But everyone probably out. wanted it to be real. Though. But a bunch of people were like, "Oh, is this real? Like Nintendo's been making so much Fire Emblem, this would make a lot of sense." <laughs> so. uh, is that Nintendo making fun of themselves at the amount of Fire Emblem they're pushing out? Like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I certainly hope so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's nicer than like if you uh, I saw someone tweet this out. Uh, it's nicer than if like they did like a Metroid style one or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Just or like Donkey inside. Kong or F Zero. I'd be so mad if they yeah. joked about. Yeah, that. like if they did like it's something they haven't done in a really long time, and then so. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's pretty. That, fun. That's good. That I mean, good. Nintendo usually doesn't do kind of April Fool's jokes that I'm aware of, so that's I think that's pretty cool that they did that. Pretty funny. Yeah. Cool. Well, that about wraps up our uh, April Fool's segment. Um, 
However, we did have a few other pieces of news we wanted to um, chat with you guys about. Um, we have an update on the Lego City Underground uh, for the Switch uh, story. We reported kind of last week that it looked like you might have to download 13 gigabytes to your uh, Nintendo Switch's internal memory to play the game, even if you have it on cartridge. Um, but the game is now success- successfully out in the wild, and uh, you do not need to do um, any massive download to play the game. You can just pop the game in, and it works. And I actually was at Target today, and I looked at the box and it d- did say that on the back. It said 13 gigabyte download required to play game, and it it's just it's just a typo. So I think you might have to download a small yeah. patch, like a day one patch. Yeah, that's what I heard. It was like a day one patch, but yeah, the but download it's... the 13 gigabytes is recommended, but it is optional. Yeah, so that's that's not something you have to do to play the whole game. I I did see videos though that the load time is still terrible in that game. The uh, yeah, the... I saw that too. Yeah, well, the Wii U the version switched to the Wii U. Yeah, the Wii U had about a minute load times to load the entire like big open world. The Switch is about fifty-one seconds. So, <laughs> I mean, it's faster, but it still is terrible. Like, I don't understand why we have a game, a Lego game of all, uh, that is taking fifty seconds to load. Like, yeah, that's it's, ridiculous. <laughs> that's I mean, really disappointing because I was like, oh, maybe I'll pick this up. I never picked it up on the Wii U. But, mm-hmm. like, the biggest reason I didn't get it on the Wii U is because I think I rented it for a couple days, and it was fun, but the load times were just almost made it unplayable because it took so long. And so I was hoping that the load times would be kind of fixed and be, like, 10, 15 seconds or something like that at the longest. But it was still pretty bad, apparently. That makes Skyrim's load times look like they're short. Yeah, exactly. So they remind me of... Did you guys see, because uh, it came out on PS4 and Xbox One today as well, do you know mm-hmm. if those load times are any shorter? I didn't um, I haven't, I'm not sure. I haven't heard anything about okay. the load times on the newer consoles. I'm curious if they optimize it for those. or. Yeah, it's still pretty... I bet it's probably still pr- pretty big. Pretty but, slow. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. But anyways, um, we thought we'd update you with that. Um the next big news story this week was um, the next Legend of Zelda game is confirmed uh, by series producer uh, Mr. Onuma. Um, he's saying that the next Zelda game will be open air as well. So it will be similar in style with the open world. So you can kind of go wherever you want, um, similar to Breath of the Wild. And So, this so an open air action-adventure RPG? <laughs> sure. Sure. We're not going <laughs> to open that again. Uh, <laughs> but... But yeah, what, what do you guys think? I know a lot of Zelda fans have kind of been debating like, oh, could I ever go back to the old Zelda style? Do I want this open world game to continue? And I've seen kind of mixed responses on Twitter. Some people really liked it, but would like it to go back and revisit kind of some of the old conventions. But um, what do you guys think? I, I'm just really interested to see where they go with that because, you know, Breath of the Wild is so open and it's so big. There's so much to do. Um, but they managed to put a lot of different kind of areas in the game. Like there's the whole desert area, ice area, fire area, kind of like tropical area. There's a lot of different climates and locales. And so I'd be interested to see what they do with a different styled game with the open air. Like how are they going to make that significantly different from Breath of the Wild and yeah. make it so people want to yeah. adventure and stuff like that? Like would they do like yeah. a Wind Waker 2 style thing where you're like sailing around and exploring islands or something mm-hmm. like that? Or So I'm interested to see how they would kind of follow up on that and yeah. get people to jump back in. Here's hoping that they go the way of Mario Galaxy and decide that Zelda and Link are now going to be on different planets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you want a sci-fi themed game. Like a sci-fi Zelda? 
like you know you have to use like Zelda like gameplay type puzzle things to launch yourself to other planets and so like the Mount Doom is on its own planet and then like yeah <laughs> Wait, it's gonna be so awesome. also crossing over into the Lord of the Rings universe <laughs> the yeah. Eye of Sauron has teamed up with Ganon and they've oh, made gosh. the Eye of Ganon as a new final boss <laughs> terrifying I would play that game <laughs> uh, well when you, um, when you actually said galaxy there rob it it kind of got me thinking of how mario galaxy had a sequel mario galaxy 2 that was just as good if not better than the original and mm-hmm. gameplay wise it played almost exactly the same there were some few new power-ups obviously all new worlds but pretty much had the same idea the story was you know slightly different um and i almost kind of think that i might be okay with that if they did that with breath of the wild like took maybe just, you know, two years, use uh, reuse a lot of the same assets, but kind of use it in new directions and create new areas and new themed and a few new power-ups and add-ons and kind of almost make Breath of the Wild 2, which had a, a similar maybe aesthetic to the overall world, but had totally new locales and things to find and powers to use. And, you know, that would make the new 3D Zelda game come out in just maybe one or two years rather than five or six years. Um, right. I don't know. I, I think I think I would be interested in that. But then again, they're doing a DLC expansion pass and, you know, they're doing adding stuff on with that. So I, I doubt that would actually happen, but I don't know. Yeah, I think that would be cool. I'd love to see them do something like they did with Majora's Mask where they yeah. kind of used everything again, but changed everything around and the story was completely different and moved changed it all the around. Tone. So it was really... and, and the I'm glad you brought that up, yeah. Nathan. Like, I think that's a really good point. Like Majora's Mask was basically almost set in was was set in the exact same world as Ocarina of Time, just a very different feel. And I think even if they use a very similar world in the next Breath of the Wild or the next Zelda or whatever they're going to call it, and but change it, make the story really different. Like maybe make it darker or lighter. You know, like kind of like wherever they want to go with that, that would be cool. Like kind of the Majora's Mask to Ocarina of Time. That would be a good way to. To, to change the gameplay and what you're doing without necessarily changing the open air feel. And it, yeah. Even for me, I'd be okay if they pared down the world a little bit. I mean, like I don't really have any issues with the game uh, and the game world being the size it is, but maybe just making it a little bit smaller and making more different themed areas. So like shrines and dungeons were, you know, a little bit, had a little bit more freedom to be bigger and do different stuff, um, you know, with, you know, kind of like a haunted theme and a fire theme. Like I, I that was one thing I do kind of miss about Breath of the Wild as I'm, you know, mm. played it for over a month is all the shrines. While I do enjoy the aesthetic and the kind of the theme to them, they all, all kind of look and sound the same. And even the, the four like main dungeons kind of have a similar, you know, feel to them. Like they don't really have like a cool theme that, you know, oh, there's lava and I can walk on the walls. Like they all kind of work the same. So um, I think it would be cool to explore that aspect more. Yeah, I would love to have them kind of almost as much as they can merge a little bit the open air and old school dungeons of Zelda because I definitely do miss kind of the old dungeons with how they had those cool themes like you're talking about, Jeff, Mm -hmm. and how they also just, the puzzles I think were just a, a little bit cooler um a little bit more with the like, way involved. because they were they're yeah they're a little bit more involved versus um kind of the dungeons in breath of the wild kind of all 
revolve around like one certain mechanic for each dungeon or whatever. Yeah. So, it was great for Breath of the Wild. I'm not sad about it, but I'd love to have them yeah. go back a little bit. It would be good to, to see something a little different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um it'll, it'll be interesting to see, we'll see. What, what happens. I hope uh, they I'm sure they will keep making kind of the top down Yeah. That... Uh smaller ones in between. Yeah. For like the three D S and all I mean, in yeah, really... for like the three D S I could, I would love like a Switch like um, version down. of Triforce. Heroes. Yeah, top down. I want Zelda. Triforce Heroes yeah. on the Switch. That would be amazing <laughs> to have a nice little multiplayer and maybe even make it kind of like the Link to the Past on the Game Boy Advance. Like they ported over Link to the Past and also had it. Uh, it had Four Swords Adventures, so you could play it with friends as well. So get kind of maybe a new two D two D top down adventure with Zelda, then also have mm-hmm. a really fun Triforce Heroes type mode. I think would be really successful. Do you think they'll put out, um, you know, because, like, uh, Mario and Pokemon have both gone to mobile. Do you think, like, on the phones, do you think Zelda, the Zelda franchise is going to go that direction as well? I think it will at some point. Eventually. Yeah, but I don't it is a hard series to make on a mobile mobile screen and platform like, you know, Nintendo. <laughs> I mean, if you look at Mario and all the games they put out, it's very simple touch and dragging inputs. With Zelda, like you're using like 15 different buttons at once, so like it, they're gonna have to do <laughs> just maybe a simple iPhone type game, but just put make it Zelda themed is what I think is gonna happen. But like a side scroller 2D, like old school like NES type Zelda game almost. Yeah, maybe or even just like maybe I would with just the the three buttons, the D pad. And then A, B buttons almost. They will not do a D-pad. They would yeah, I, I don't think Nintendo will do digital buttons. It'll be yeah. something where you're tapping like like Wind Waker. Yeah. Or not Wind Waker. Um, the DS games. Uh, Spirit Tracks or Phantom Hourglass. It'll be tapping yeah, and swiping yeah. probably. Uh, but I don't know. As long as it's not a whole bunch of mini games. <laughs> Dude, it you got to save that uh, for WarioWare iPhone. Yes. IPhone That'd be yes. amazing. Um, so two more little news pieces we wanted to mention was, um, ukulele, um, had its embargo lifted today. So reviews have hit the open air and, um, overall it's looking (laughs) like the reviews are kind of mediocre. It's, I think averaging around a 68% on on Metacritic, which, um, isn't great. Um, however, um, most, most reviews are saying, that it does kind of satisfy the old nostalgia, the 3D platformer itch. Like, if you loved Banjo-Kazooie, you're probably going to love this game too. Uh, most of the complaints just kind of come from the um, camera and the controls maybe not being quite as tight as they wanted. And then also just since it is almost like a Banjo-Kazooie clone, it has all the faults of kind of those old 3D platformer games like you know it it plays just like those old ones faults and gems uh you know things we loved and hated about those games are still there um so it's not really modernized it's feels like an old game (laughs) yeah it feels like an old game that's really pretty basically yeah that's what people are saying and we were talking about this earlier um we were saying we think that's great because you know why are we playing this game in the first place mostly we're not really concerned that it's a new IP, that's new characters, that's a new game in the sense it's a 90s game being released in the late, you know, 
2010s. And so we're actually, the nostalgia factor is the best draw on this game. So we wanted to play like an old school platformer. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Platonic was pretty honest when they did their Kickstarter and everything. They were like, we're basically making a sequel to Banjo Kazooie and Banjo Tooie and all that. And they're doing exactly basically what they said. So I don't feel like they conned anyone or anything like that. They were super honest. And and, uh, this isn't Sean Murray. Yeah. Well, yeah. as a backer, they've done lots of updates, and I, I know they have, like you said, Nathan, they've communicated things pretty clearly, and like I'm not honestly surprised after reading lots of the reviews. Like They said the music sounds like it's straight out of like, almost like a Banjo-Kazooie game. Like it, It's got kind of the, the same kind of like muffled animal sound, like, bah, 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 bah. like for the, when the characters <laughs> talk. It's got the, the witty little british humor and like gag jokes that the and puns that the characters say and like that's that's what i wanted that's what i wanted from this game i wanted every yeah. character to have googly eyeballs on top of them yeah and like weird weird little side characters and learning new moves and lots of collectibles mm-hmm. to run around and collect and so it's it's exactly you know sounds like with or what i was what i was hoping for so i'm excited i'm excited to play it still yeah i think i think the only thing is that sounds like there are some more technical just glitches and difficulties and stuff which is a bummer which is a bummer but it makes sense because you know when they were making all those games that we loved in the 90s they were partnering with nintendo and they had a lot more people and support to kind of help play test and get some of those bugs and stuff like that yeah they're they're definitely a a much smaller team (laughs) so hopefully they'll be able to kind of fix and patch some of those Um, well, and it seems like as far as playtesting goes, most of their playtesting was the toy box, okay. which was, you know, oh, I mean, yeah, maybe they did, maybe they did some playtesting elsewhere. They had, you know, I mean, obviously most games have people who come in and do testing in studio essentially, but it seems like that toy box was probably the biggest test ground for the game itself. And... It was pretty glitch free, as far as I could tell. So yeah, I remember you saying you know, that really may not. That, so yeah, and so maybe that doesn't necessarily accurately represent all the glitches we might face in the main game itself. But I think, as far as like if the game, if the glitches or the problems that everyone's complaining about is like the controls aren't as sensitive or you can't land on a platform as well or stuff like that. I mean, that's platformers in general, and that. They they almost tried to make it like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah I, yeah. I I think it'll be be a good challenge to collect all the different things and mm-hmm. complete the game. And but for me, the thing I'm most excited about is just have you ever like played a game or watched a movie and immediately afterwards you're like, man, I wish I could go back like er, wipe my memory so I've never seen the movie, never played the game, and go play it again fresh like with a new. Yeah, like a whole exactly. new experience. Yeah, like, exactly. That, that's what I. That's what I'm hoping for for this game. That I go in and it's like I'm playing Banjo Kazooie again for the very first time. Like meeting all these little cheesy animal characters and exploring the worlds and hearing the music for the first time. Like that's the experience I'm looking for, and, it, and it's it's looking like that. It'll probably deliver that. So I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, we want to be eight years old again. Exactly. <laughs> if you feel like you're a kid, I'm always down for that. <laughs> um. Uh, one other note about ukulele is this week they uh, unveiled the ukulele rap, which was uh, written by yeah. Grant Kirkhope, <laughs> who's the main composer for the game and also was the lead composer for Donkey Kong 64 and did compose the original DK rap. 
And uh, it was actually one of the stretch goals on Kickstarter since, you know, they they funded way over their goal. Um, they added a oh, bunch of stretch goals. I didn't realize it was a stretch goal. Yeah. And so one of the stretch goals, uh, they post on a dev update. Remember, they're like, yeah, we went and we asked Grant, like, we're putting out a stretch goal for you to make a ukulele rap. And he's like, oh, no, please don't do that. And they're like, no, nope, we're putting it up. So so they, they kind of forced their composer to, to revisit his infamous DK rap and make a ukulele version. So... Um, I, I love it. it. It has a lot of views on YouTube and it's, it's cheesy. It, it's almost the exact same beat and almost rhymes as the DK rap. But, uh, um, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. It, we, we put it up on Twitter. I remember Jaeger was very confused by it, but, uh, <laughs> I think it was great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, it feels like he was deliberately forced to make this, like almost held at gunpoint <laughs> to make this. It's great. <laughs> well, cause he's been harassed over the, the last point. 20 years and just like people are like, Oh, you're the guy who made the DK rap. He's like, I did other music too. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's like what he's most famous for is this terrible rap. Yeah, rap. exactly. <laughs> I guess that does kind of suck. Yeah. But you know, in the rap in the DK game, we loved it because it was so bad. Yeah. yeah, and he writes this one, and it is literally bad for all the same reasons, <laughs> and it's oh so perfect. Yeah, yeah, I I enjoyed it. So if you enjoy that kind of stuff, be sure to check our Twitter at Hey Listen underscore Games. Uh, we put that video up there for you guys. Um, so last news piece was um, the Destiny Two uh, full kind of uh, reveal trailer uh, dropped this week on Thursday, and um, we we promised you guys we'd give you some impressions of what we thought um basically um they showed the trailer and the city is completely under fire the traveler is looks like it's um taking a good beating and um what i noticed in the trailer is one of the first things you see is a i think it's a mother and a daughter like you see like families you see civilians who are like presumably getting injured and killed and the cabal has have invaded the city and it seems like it's a much much more grounded and easier to understand conflict and story right away. It's not a giant space epic where you're all these different races and you're fighting whatever the darkness is and there's all these factions and it's just a lot of things going on. This seems Earth is being invaded by Cabal. You are these, like all the marketing is humans. Like you're these human characters. You got to protect Earth, protect the city, protect the civilians and go kick the butt of this giant cabal named Gary. <laughs> um, so I, I think Gary. so far it totally makes Gary sense. Is the just the simple narrative that they're making. Villain. Yeah. I, I don't even remember. company will sue them for the name Gary. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't remember the name of, of the boss. It's like Gall or something like that. But uh, uh, no, I don't. Kate. I was just thinking about that. Like the original Destiny story, you know, I played that beat it i did it i think twice jeff i think you did it like a couple times right yeah, i don't even know how many times yeah and i can't even tell you like what the actual story is about like yeah. there's a bunch of different races and there's some kind of darkness that you defeat that's all i know yeah, like they're so convoluted and kind of like forced together through random things I don't that remember it there being a story well yeah that the exo stranger just randomly pops in and says a few lines and then like disappears at the end and there's like yeah. no point to it. And like, this seems it's very clear. You have Cade and Zavala and like kind of the main three Vanguard people who are from the last game and they're back again. And they're telling a very simple story. They're using more humor. They're making jokes about getting lots of loot. So it's 
taking a lot more humorous <laughs> and light approach and very straightforward. Yeah. Kind of almost reminds me of a little bit of Borderlands. I got some Borderlands vibes from the from the trailer. I did get that a little bit also. Definitely. I think it's funny that it kind of is making fun of itself in a certain extent. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the first game took itself so seriously and there wasn't any story to take seriously. Yeah. And then yeah. it's already making fun of itself going, you know, there's loot. That's why we're <laughs> yeah. playing this. Well, yeah. it ke- and it kept, it was really funny kind of cause it kept switching back between Cade and then Zavala and Zavala was kind of like more like the serious, like this is what happened story. And then Cade like, 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 the we have to get <laughs> our stuff back. We don't have it anymore. Yeah. yeah oh like, dude, Zavala that was more like, rally amongst us humans unite as humans and fight the evil and kids like well any they got shiny loot (laughs) any destiny veteran like had a mini heart attack in the middle of that trailer because it basically shows your vault with all of your weapons and things you've collected over the last like three years and basically your vault gets blown up and you're not going to have any of your gear. You have to start all over, you know, collecting new weapons that are terrible to start with and stuff. And so I thought it was a clever way to kind of say, Hey, you know, we're resetting. You're not going to carry over all your old stuff from the original destiny. Um, but at the same time, it was like, no, I've spent, I've saved so many awesome things and collected so many great guns and they're all going away. But um, I'm sure at some point they'll bring it back a lot. A lot of the favorite exotics and stuff into Destiny Two, but uh, I'm sure, kind of glad if you want to use them, you got to go play Destiny One. Yeah, <laughs> it was, I'm, I'm it was sure my vault will still they, be intact there. Yeah, I thought it was funny that they actually kind of like made a little joke about that, like in the trailer and stuff like that. Like the fact that they actually had, I don't know, just threw that little nod in there was great. Yeah, they're addressing it mm-hmm. from the get go. They're not, they're yeah. not, yeah, you know, not not telling anyone or whatever. But um, yeah. Overall, I, I think I think the tone, the tone is great. Um, there's a $250 collector's edition version out there, um, which is interesting. Does it include the game? It does include the game, but uh, <laughs> basically good. it has this giant messenger bag that can be converted into a backpack, and it has like solar power charging included in it, and all the all these other goodies and stuff. But uh, I, I thought that looked interesting, but. Um, it, it's also coming to PC. That is confirmed. It's coming out um, yep. on PC, and uh, I think a lot of people are excited. And I know Nathan, you mentioned you might be a little nervous about that. <laughs> at the same time, and then um, oh yeah, there there also um, PlayStation exclusive content is still going to be a thing in Destiny Two. So uh, we don't know what it is yet, but PlayStation has already announced that. Uh, they will have year-long exclusivity in-game items. So if it's anything like Destiny 1, it's going to be um, a few exotic weapons and multiplayer maps and maybe a, f- a few strikes or missions and stuff too. So um, it definitely kind of adds up, and it's a, it can be a lot of content over the course course of the game. So um, I know, I mean, I'm we, we play on PlayStation 4, but I know it does yeah. kind of stink for people jumping in on PC or stuck on Xbox cuz dude I mean they're paying the same price as we are but they're not getting as much stuff so yeah, yeah. I, I think it'll be really interesting with the PC cuz I feel like PC people are a lot more vocal than everyone else so yeah. I yeah. feel like they'll be <laughs> very upset about the whole PlayStation exclusivity thing even more than Xbox players so yeah well uh yeah I think the only thing that we know for sure right now is this game is going to make Activision 
a whole ton of money, especially now that it's on PC and there's a whole nother platform uh, for it to That's get true. its hooks into. How many how many copies like just right now? You had to guess like how many copies do you think this game has the potential to sell? Because like the first game We're talking sold lifetime or launch or what? Um, let's say within the first year, in the first within the first year. Do you know the, the numbers for the first one? one? I think it was like what like. 20 was it like 20 million or something like that that the original I think, sold i think the original yeah they said they had 20 million unique players in the first year which is pr- pretty solid insane yeah that's <laughs> that, so good that I, did include I would say it would be and way PS3, more than though. that yeah like well they upset a lot of people and stuff like that with vanilla Destiny, and i'm interested to see whether people will kind of jump back and give them another chance or if they're like nope i'm done i'm not gonna jump back into this i don't think think they'll be able to get all those people back. i think all the all the hate and bad rap that destiny gets (laughs) online like like you said that's kind of a a vocal minority and whether or not people hate it or love it it sold you know like you said had 20 million unique users within the first year and (laughs) there's so many people out there who played it casually but there's also the hardcore people and there's it was kind of a game that really anyone could kind of jump into, you know, I'm not saying it didn't have its issues, but I think this can definitely be a game that more people can jump into now that it's a next-gen focused game. And obviously once we see more of the gameplay and, you know, Bungie hopefully is going to make a very grounded story that makes sense and has great side characters, just like the Halo games. And um, I, I think it, I think it could be something really good. So. Well, just the fact that it's releasing on PC, you're already increasing your market because I believe yeah. probably more people play on PC than any of the other consoles, like single console. Yeah, like user base, so, like install base. Yeah, yeah, user, yeah user base. Bases. I mean, especially with the advancement of Steam and all that, people are playing on crappy machines all across the globe. Um, and so having it release on PC is going to, even though they might lose some users based off of the, well, vanilla destiny was awful. I don't know if I want to give destiny Two a chance. You're increasing the market size to a whole bunch of people who are all gullible and willing to ready, <laughs> ready and willing and able to fork over lots of money to pay for destiny Two and be like, well, Hey, it's on my system. Now I can play it. So yeah, let's see. Yep. We'll see what, where to go with that. So, yep, so it'll be interesting to watch. I know Bungie likes slowly kind of pulling back the curtain and revealing things kind of one at a time. So um, I'm sure over the next couple of weeks and over the summer, they'll slowly be kind of showing different parts of the game out and we'll let you know if anything um, announced sounds um, noteworthy. Yeah, they, they kind of gave a, a nice roadmap for what they're doing. I think gameplay reveal is uh, May 18th. Yeah, that's that from right. May 18th. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah. Um, so sometime in the middle of May and then. Probably the beta will be in June. I mean, that's great. Like Bungie's learning from kind of a lot of their Destiny 1 mistakes just with communication with the community. Um, Being a a Destiny player from day one, they didn't really announce a roadmap or what was coming next. And they were just had long periods of silence. So I think it's great that they are being very open about the first two expansions and already and what the, you know, gameplay reveal is and just what, what's to come. So um, I think, think that's great. Um, Great. So our second segment of the show today one of my personal favorite segments, um, Nathan's Backlog. Um, <laughs> this is the part of the show where Nathan comes out and tells us about a game that he purchased, played, and for whatever reason, 
never got back to it. So, Nathan, go ahead and take it away. So, today, I bring you a game that I purchased twice and still never beat. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, I think that's the first time we've had one of those. Yes. Uh, a dual bad. purchase. So, the game is uh, Shadow of Mordor. Game came out <laughs> 2013. Um, my friend got it. And was playing it. I was like, oh, this game looks awesome. I really want to get it. I didn't have a PS4 at the time, but it uh, also came out PS3. So I bought it on my PS3 and then realized, oh, the PS3 and PS4 versions and Xbox 360, Xbox One versions are completely different. And the old generation version is kind of really terrible. Like, it didn't look that good. And, like, uh, the whole, like, Nemesis system that was kind of the main point of the game was like severely kind of nuked like it was just yeah. very very basic it was definitely stuff ported like down rather than ported up <laughs> yes exactly so i bought it and i played a little bit and i was like well this isn't really what i was what i thought it would be so then when i got my ps4 like i think it was like maybe six months later or something like that i was like oh i still want to play that game it looked really cool but the ps3 version sucked so i rebought it on my ps4 to play shadow of mordor and i had a really ton of fun with the game i think i put about 15 hours into it and the reason i stopped playing it is i got to the point where i just wasn't good enough at the game <laughs> like i had to do the missions where you kind of have to get um there's five different captains that you have to get and i got a couple of them but the ones i was on it required killing like 40 orcs to bring out the captain and then you have to kill him as well and every time i did it i would just get overrun and so and then they all become I stronger just, and you have to go back yeah, and, and they just keep again. getting stronger and it just it, it was this endless cycle of me like getting worse and worse at the game and the game <laughs> getting harder and harder <laughs> and so i was like well i can't do it and so then i put it down stopped playing for a while and then i jumped back in uh i think like six months ago or something like that i was kind of bored and didn't really have anything to play so i re-downloaded it on my ps4 and started again and ran around and did some side missions um, and had a lot of fun with that because um, the world is just it's really really well made like it's not it's an open world but it's not too big it's kind of like a nice small size so yeah it's kind uh, of split into like two smaller open areas yeah exactly yeah. and so there's a there's a lot of different um, things you can do within that all pretty much the whole entire world is interactable and a lot of different works and stuff like that um but then i went back to the main mission and tried beating it again and i still wasn't good enough <laughs> so i don't know if i'll ever go back to it because i honestly just i'm not a good enough player to be able to beat it and you're so, you're a huge lord of the rings guy like yes i, I love lord of the rings. yeah i love lord of the rings i read i've read the books like the entire series i think four times through or something like that <laughs> oh, that's wow. impressive i used yeah that when I was really in, impressive yeah when i was in middle school i would watch like one of the movies like every week there was like a year <laughs> where i did that so <laughs> i have those things memorized basically yes you do i can, um, I can test so yeah I'm a, I'm a really big lord of the rings fan um obviously the game like i really liked it because it didn't really try and tie in at all with the lord of the rings it used the universe kind of the characters and stuff like that mm -hmm. but it didn't tie it try and tie in yeah mm -hmm really at all with the books or the movies or anything like that they kind of just did their own did thing you, and it looks like that's what the sequel is doing as well did and you I'm like totally the narrative it. that they told though like i found it interesting at first but it quickly died off and i didn't really find myself caring about it yeah i mean it was it was kind of a it was a fine narrative to be interested in to kind of introduce kind of the game main hook of that which was the nemesis system and mm -hmm. building up your kind of building up 
those guys to join you and be on your side and stuff. So it was interesting, but I didn't think it was like, it wasn't like a super compelling narrative that I was like, oh my gosh, I'm yeah. playing this game because I love the story and I have to find out what happens. It was more just, <laughs> okay, that's a kind of a cool way to get me explore the world and have fun with the nemesis system and enjoy just killing a bunch of orcs. So, and I think that's what the second game will do as well. Like yeah, probably. the narrative, I was listening to his podcast sometime and someone was like, so I think the second game, you're actually evil. Like, you're hmm. building these orc armies, and you're actually just pro- <laughs> might be straight-on evil, which is kind of interesting. But, yeah, yeah I don't mm-hmm. think that it will be that. They, they could definitely great. mess up. I wouldn't be surprised. Out. Yeah. But, so, cool. it's yeah, a great I, game, a lot of fun. I'm just not very good at it. Yeah. I, based I, on... Go ahead, Rob. Go ahead, Jeff. Oh, based on way, where it's set, the second game and the first game were both set way before the... Fellowship of the Ring movie, which we know that evil is basically in control at that point. It wouldn't surprise me if it was evil. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I really enjoyed that game. I actually didn't finish the main story, but I did almost everything else in the game. Like I think I got almost every trophy in the game. Like I collected like every collectible and did all the side quests. Just for whatever reason, I just never got around to finishing the main story. So, I mean, I guess I just wasn't super invested in that part of it, but. I yeah. thought the the best part of the game was just the the gameplay and the combat was really well done. So, yeah, the combat system was great. It was kind of like I feel like it kind of evolved the Batman combat system because mm-hmm. it was a little yeah, bit similar. Yeah, because it gave you but, a sword. Yeah, it gave you a sword, and there was a lot of different um, cool counters you could do and stuff like that. And yeah, it had uh, a pretty cool skill tree too that you could upgrade. It did. Yeah, yeah. that's true. So. All and right. I'm surprised that the Nemesis system, system hasn't shown up in any other games yet because that was really cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess we're just waiting for a game to have cool-looking orc bad guys. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I wonder uh, if the War- Warner Brothers has a patent on it. Or even if they don't, I wonder if other video game companies are hesitant to use it because it is so unique. Yeah, I mean, like I th- no other company has done that be. before. Yeah, no, I th- I think it's just it's probably harder to implement than we think it is because that game whole design. game was basically set up designed around that system. So yeah. it's not just like it's not something like Batman's combat from Arkham Asylum that every game has taken since then, which is a simple Y to counter X to punch type system. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. cool. So yeah, I probably I don't know if I'll ever go back to it, but it's a good game. Just play it. If you are good at video games. <laughs> <laughs> or if you like Lord of the Rings. It's super cheap now, it's like ten bucks or whatever, so you can get yeah. it, pick it up. Saw it on uh you play the other day. Uh, maybe a couple months back for a dollar. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Exactly. All right. Any other games so... in your backlog, Nathan? Um so I Sure, I brought uh, the two games today. The other game I want to talk about is Super Paper Mario. This was an original Wii release. This was actually, I think, the third game I ever bought for my Wii. Um, when I got my Wii, I came with Wii Sports, and then I got Madden. And then the, the first game I got besides Madden was Super Paper Mario, because um, it was the first Mario game that technically came out on the Wii. It came out like the spring yep. after the Wii launched. Um, so, and I, I think I remember I read about it in Nintendo uh, Power, and I was like, oh, you can switch between, like, 2D and 3D. That was kind of the main mechanic of the game was mm. you could play as uh, four different characters, I believe. Maybe five, I don't remember. Um, and you could 
most of the game was played out in 2D, similar to the other Mario games, uh, Paper Mario games. They but you could switch to 3D for, yeah, switch the perspective to 3D for parts of it. Um, and then that kind of changed how you were holding the Wii Remote, which was kind of cool. It was kind of a cool mechanic um, way to use the Wii Remote and stuff. And they also changed, instead of being like Paper Mario Thousand Year Door, where it was a straight turn-based battle system, it was it had a hit points and everything, but you could also, you jumped on the enemy's heads and did packs instead of just turn-based stuff, which I really enjoyed. So it was a good game overall. I got pretty far in the game. I think I got to like the fifth world or something like that. But the reason I stopped playing it is because I had to find this like, toilet paper or something like that in the space world. Wait, in real life or in and... the game? No, 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 in the game, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, like, find this toilet paper to give to this traveler who was, like, stuck in the the space outhouse or something along those lines. <laughs> and I spent, like, two hours trying to find it and I couldn't figure it out. And I think I even remembered, like, looking up online and, like, I think it might have been something where if you if you messed up and didn't get it at the right point, it kind of, like... Made it really made hard you, to complete. Made it really hard to be able to complete. Um, and so I got really frustrated and put it down. But Dang. yeah, did you rage quit? Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually skipped on the game because I never played Paper Mario games growing up. Being a Mario purist, I'm like, oh, I'll save my money for when Galaxy comes out and um, New Super Mario Bros. So I didn't play it till a year or two after it came out. Borrowed it from a friend, and since I was borrowing it, you know, I didn't have time to complete the whole thing but i think the space area was about where i got to because it it seemed really open-ended and it was very large and it didn't really have very good like i don't know it just was really confusing it didn't really point you in a direction yeah it it involved a lot of kind of going back and forth if i remember like you would go somewhere and talk to someone then you have to kind of backtrack and get something to do that and so it didn't the rest of the game kind of guided you and so it didn't guide you as well as the rest of the game yeah and so i I talked to you, and I've talked to a couple other people who also got stuck in that same area. Yeah, well, it, the whole game was pretty linear for the most part, but then yeah. there was that part where it was more like an RPG where you're getting quests and talking to different people and trying to figure out what to do, and so it was kind of jarring. And I mean, ultimately, it was an okay game, but like it, like you said, it kind of was almost more like a 2D Mario, but it still wasn't. It was a Paper Mario game and still had kind of RPG and kind of weird other mechanics too so it didn't really do either great so it was kind of this weird in between where it wasn't really a good 2d mario game you couldn't even really call it that but it wasn't the really the hardcore rpg experience that other paper mario games paper were, so. mario yeah yeah so, no yeah. I, th- I think it was a great early kind of wii system title that experimented and tried to take advantage of the unique properties of the wii and yeah. stuff like that but it hasn't aged great yeah, the thing I just remember, well, I remember the story being great. Like, I remember cracking up. There was like a, there was some part where you're like trying to, you're on like a dating game show to like win Peach's <laughs> affections, and you have to answer all these different questions. <laughs> it just, just really weird, like funny humor. And I think Luigi gets brainwashed and turns into a superhero called Mister L or something like that. <laughs> and it's it just got some weird fun stuff. Legit. Like that. Yeah, it, it had hilarious writing. Like the writing was great. I remember like specifically one joke about how people complain about uh video games on message boards on the internet all the yeah, time and stuff like that. <laughs> so uh, yeah the writing was awesome so but i know uh, a good friend of the show uh professor brad really likes the paper mario series i remember watching him play one of the the newer editions on wii 
back when we lived in when we were going to college and lived in the dorm. So I'm nice. sure he's beaten Super Paper Mario. And yeah, let, well, that's actually a good question to put out on Twitter. Like, what was what was your guys' favorite Paper Mario game? Like, do you guys like Super Paper Mario? Is it kind of a abandoned stepchild that <laughs> no one really likes? Like, you know what what are the the Paper Mario fans? say i know there's a lot of love for the n64 original and then the gamecube thousand year door one because thousand really... door is like the ultimate pinnacle for anyone who's an rpg fan like rob i feel like yeah exactly <laughs> then other ones have been a little bit more casual and have messed with some other kind of mechanics so i don't know well maybe we'll put that up on twitter be sure to let us know what you think at halos underscore games um what's your favorite paper mario game yeah. all right Moving on, our final segment for today, we're going to leave you guys with uh, what we have been playing this week. And uh, I'm really excited because I did find some cool stuff in Zelda, and I have been playing Zelda a little bit. Uh, But I actually got three new games this week. Um, The first one being Snake Pass. Um, I got on my Switch. It's $20. And I am giving this a recommendation if you have a nintendo switch this is a great game um it plays um really well on the handheld mode um the controls and the camera take a little bit of getting used to and basically my only gripe with the game is there's some weird kind of checkpoints where you know if you fall off the edge trying to get a collectible or something you have to kind of go all the way back to a checkpoint that might not be very close by um so there's some kind of weird things like that to work around but the music's great it looks great, and um, ultimately, I think it's a great little 3D platformer. I, I don't know how long the game is, but I've played maybe five hours or so, and I, it has the perfect amount of little collectibles that are challenging, and it feels really good and rewarding when you wind yourself around these bamboos and get the stuff. So it's it's just a really charming game. It, it's got a got a lot of charm in it. It's hard hard to you know to frown while you're playing this game. Uh, so, so you're like kind of a physics based movement as a snake and cause yeah. it's not really like a traditional platformer where you're jumping or anything like no, yeah, that. There's, there's no jumping. You're, you can move noodle, the snakes. That's great name. Uh, you can move, move his head basically <laughs> up and then there's another button they use to move, go move forward. And then there's another button you can push to kind of wrap his body tightly around something. So you don't like fall, but that's pretty much it. And so you're just kind of winding your body around, finding different ways to secure yourself and reach out and um, get new areas. But like every every single area, like most of the collectibles aren't hidden necessarily too far. It's just more like, hmm, like how can I position myself on an object or from an area to go over and you know collect that item over there? And so um, and the levels are broken up into smaller worlds that maybe take about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, um, depending on how much um, you try to get the side like collectibles. But um, I, I really like it. It's 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 a fun game. I know it's on PS4, Xbox One, and Steam as well. So um, I definitely recommend recommend checking it out. Um, That's uh, Snake Pass. Snake Pass, yeah, Snake Pass. Uh, but it's by Sumo Digital, the people behind Little Big Planet. Um, and then the other two games I played were actually PS Plus games um i was actually pleasantly surprised um by discs jam and it's actually a game made by two people which i find insane like two people made this game oh. it's, it's not super complex or anything and it was actually um the other free game with tearaway last month and uh it's a super simple concept basically 
it's almost like you're on like a tennis court where there's a net in the middle and there's but there's walls on the side like racquetball and you're throwing this basically frisbee back and forth and you're just trying to basically get it past the other person if it hits like the baseline at the back of the court you score points and uh basically the longer the rally the more points you get there's you can curve the disc you can bounce it off the walls you can do super moves and it's super simple but just super quick arcadey kind of a easy sport game and you can do doubles so it's two on two and uh i actually played for about an hour and i actually had a lot of fun with it so i i really want to get three of my friends together in the same room and play two on two because i feel like it would be a blast <laughs> doing that but uh um i know you said you downloaded it, nathan but you haven't tried it yet so maybe maybe next time we hang out we can try it together i think i think you'd have some fun with it yeah, I haven't I haven't tried, but I want to jump in. I've heard a couple people compare it to a little bit less um, less in depth uh, game, kind of similar to Rocket League, where no one really knew about it, and then it kind of yeah. took the world by storm. And it was a lot yeah, of fun. So yeah, no, for sure, that's it, a it's good got, comparison. Got, got that similar kind of arcadey sports, um, trying to score goals, and the other player. And it, it, I believe it did launch on PS Plus, so like that was the game's launch in there. The developers, you know, it's only a two-man team, but they are planning on adding more updates with, um, I don't know, more characters and other stuff like that. And the characters are super cheesy looking and over the top, so it's it's funny. It, it's a lot of fun. But but yeah, I really Sweet. like I really like the basic gameplay loot. They they had a solid concept and they implemented it and it works well. So um, cool game. Um, and the last one I wanted to mention was Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, which Rob had mentioned before on the show. And then uh, I was talking to my cousin last week, and he also recommended it. And surprise, surprise, it's this month's uh, free PS Plus game on PS4. And I played with my wife for about an hour before the show today, and we had a blast. <laughs> like she, she, We basically got to the end of a level, and we actually ended up uh, getting the game over. And so we took a break, and then it's like, oh, it's, it's almost time to do the show. Oh, my goodness. Like, <laughs> I totally lost track of time. It's a total co-op game where you're basically controlling this one spaceship that's kind of scooting around outer space like you're basically exploring a small a small map trying to find um these like space bunnies that have been lost yes i did just say space bunnies <laughs> and uh the They're way you control it in space yeah but the, the whole thing is like control like the way you control the ship you control this little tiny minion inside the ship so you you're basically playing a mini game inside of the ship because you can see inside of it and you're basically there's different little sections. So there's a little station to control the gun on the left, the gun on the right. There's a section in the middle to control the engine, another section to control the shield. And so you and whoever you're playing with on co-op, you're trying to decide who's going to, you know, or do we want to have two people on the guns? Do we want to have one person driving, one person doing the shield? And you're kind of hopping around all <laughs> these little sections, all these little cute little bad guys are shooting things at you. And, um, oh, I didn't know you. There was mini game inside. That sounds awesome. Yeah, like that. That's kind of the whole point of the game. Is like you're okay. you're playing this little mini game while you're watching things unfold outside of your spaceship, and you're so it's super simple, super easy to pick up and learn. And I think it would be a blast to play with four players. Like we just did two players, but having four people jump around <laughs> to, to different battle stations on the on the ship would be a blast. And it looks like there's actually a lot of depth and unlockables and different things too. So. Um, so far, I think it's amazing, and this is—I feel like this is going to be like my favorite PS Plus game of the year so far. So, 
Um, wow, that, nice. sounds, that sounds That's much actually... more compelling. I thought it was just like a little spaceship that you drive around and shoot things with. No, so. yeah, it's it's super polished. It's a it's a really great concept. The color and the music and everything. It feels like it. You know, it's it's gotten a lot of uh, good love from the development team. It's got a you know silly little story about being these little space critters who you know love each other and stuff. So <laughs> it's it's fun. <laughs> Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So definitely check that out if you're on uh, on PS4. Um, be worth worth getting PlayStation Plus for. I think to to check this game out. It's it's a lot of fun. So. That's um, uh, cool. lovers dangerous space time. Lovers in a dangerous space time. Highly recommend. Um, I, I know it's I know it's on Steam as well. Um, so you can you can find it on there. That's that's where it launched about a year ago. So. Yeah. What about you guys? Got a Mass Effect update for us, Rob? Basically, all I have played this last week has been, well, Mass Effect. Um, <laughs> I looked at how much time I put into it, and I probably put 30 hours into it, 35 hours, somewhere in there. Nice. Nice. Um, I just had a, earlier today, actually, I was playing, and I just got one of the planets up to 100% viability. So basically, it's like 100% livable now. I was like, mm-hmm. whoa. That's awesome, which means I've basically done all the side missions on that planet. Perfect. And the so main you've only been that... to that one planet then, right? No, I've actually been to, well, I've been to three, because there's, ga- there's a planet you start on, essentially. And then there's I've been to two other planets, and I was actually getting ready to go to the next planet, but I had some other stuff I needed to do this this morning, so I had to get off and go do that be be a real human being but oh man sad day so far yeah the gameplay wise this is probably the nomad is a lot of fun i was um i'm on a ice planet right now and there was this giant mountain i i drove the thing all the way up to the top and I was like, you know what? I'm going to drive off of this. So I drove off of it and did like a couple 360s as I was falling through the air before I crashed and it reset me back up to the top because like you died. <laughs> but, of course. It was a lot, it's been a lot of fun. It, the combat is really fast paced. It's really fun. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I know some other people who have had some mixed feelings about it, but for me so far, it's been... It feels like what they took in Mass Effect 3 and kind of making it more of an action game and kind of made it a little bit more tactful, but fast-paced, like instantaneously. So you don't have as much time to think about what you're doing. You just have to kind of react. Sweet. Sounds good. And you're liking the story still and all that stuff? Yeah, the story so far is pretty good, and I'm enjoying, like I said the last time I talked about it, the characters are probably the best part of the game so far. Um they're all pretty flushed out, and they all feel very, very real. And so I know there's a patch coming this week on Thursday with a whole bunch of, I think, mostly working on the facial animations. Facial animations, Some I think it's supposed to help with some lag and stuff like that. Yeah, in multi- it's got some gameplay additions. Uh, like, I think it changes some of the feel of, like, combat items you find the nomad a little bit changes a couple of little little details that just make it a little bit more playable so cool all right well i did get i will play it at some point hopefully after it's all patched and yeah that's a lot that's the same i think i'm probably gonna play it some point later this year i did talk to friend of the show sir mr fields adam and uh he did mention 
that I got to chat with him about the game, and he's mentioned that he's really liking it. You know, there's a few issues with it, but overall, he's liking the story, and it's he's having having a good time with it. So, um, I think it'll be a game I'll probably pick up at the end of summer, or maybe cool. in the fall once it's you know kind of gone on sale, and a lot of things have been patched still. So, yeah, but yeah, that'd be a good time I, for it. I I do know I I will enjoy it though. So from what I'm hearing, I think I'm I'm gonna have fun with it. So, so Nathan. Um, I've been playing more Zelda, of course. Of course. Uh, I have done 40, about 40, 45 shrines now, I think, which, and I haven't blocked probably about two thirds of the map, but not quite all of it yet. Mm-hmm. And then I've done, I've still done two divine beasts. So, and I've put, I think around 50 hours into this game. So it blows my mind that I put that much time in and still yeah. like have done like only that much, like half the game or yeah, less. Basically. You would be like done with the game by now if it was like a normal Zelda. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So still really enjoying kind of just exploring and finding different side quests and everything that's great about that game is still great 50 hours later. So nice. still having fun with that. And then I finally turned on my PS4 again and played a game on it. So I, uh, <laughs> nice. I jumped in. <laughs> yeah, first time since uh, I got back from getting married. Like a month ago, <laughs> but uh, jumped Since in and... Zelda, <laughs> yeah, post Zelda, <laughs> PZ, PZ. <laughs> but really, we live in the PZ world now, guys. No open world <laughs> game is gonna be the same. Um, but I what, played uh, Overwatch play? this weekend. Oh, I played great. Overwatch this weekend. Um, jumped back into that and uh, played with the what's her name, Orisa, the new character. Uh, Osira. 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 That's what it is. Osira. She's a new heavy character. Um, she has some cool moves. Sets her basically. She has like a kind of machine gun that's pretty. Um, that's her main weapon, and then she can also throw out a shield that stays stationary. Um, that'll stay up for a certain amount of time or until it's damaged enough to break. And then she also, her specials are she can kind of go into like overpowered mode which basically gives her extra health and um attack power for i think it's about 10 seconds or something along those lines and then her other special is she shoots oh the other one is she can shoot like a a bomb and then like it'll kind of fly out and then you can choose to detonate it whenever so yeah and it like pulls pulls characters towards towards it yeah, towards it and stuff like that. So, so move, move yeah. characters around, and I actually did jump into Overwatch as well this weekend, and I played a few matches as her, and um, I thought I think she's pretty cool. I like like her character design. I like her voice. Um, she seems pretty unique, and I I haven't played a ton, so I'm not sure how much she's shaking kind of up the meta and how much she's being used and how effectively. But um, like I jumped straight into quick play after people have been playing with her for a couple of weeks and. I felt like I was doing a pretty good job, and I was getting eliminations. And the her um, super uh, ultimate power is basically a uh, damage boost. So you're basically doing like a mercy damage boost to everyone um, on your team within like the area where you activate it. So um, yeah. it can be really good to help your team on like a push or to defend a point, like when I used it. So yeah, I think I think she's really well designed, and excited to see you know what happens next i i don't think blizzard said they're doing an easter event but they have been hinting at some new reveal or something um else coming up soon so yeah, yeah i'm sh- i'm sure they'll be doing another they did like a ton of events the last three months because they did kind of christmas and they did the chinese new year one yeah 
those are um, within like almost a month so yeah exactly so yeah so they're probably taking a break for a little bit yeah 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 but i forgot uh how much um who's the the shield like health lady now shield health lady uh, uh the, the one who has or, or support character yeah support so character. It's, uh symmetra yeah symmetra yeah, I forgot how much people are using Symmetra now since she got that boost. Yeah. Like back in Christmas. <laughs> she's she's like raving people all over I'd the place. I played in a while and she is so good. Like I was playing against a couple really good Symmetras this week and I was like, oh man, <laughs> I haven't played this game in a long time and I'm getting my butt handed to me. But nice. that was a lot of fun. Cool. Yep. All right. Well, that about ends our show this week. Be sure to follow us at on Twitter. As always, you can listen to us on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. We're open to uh, any suggestions or feedback you might have for us. Until next time, have a great week. We're leaving you with Street Fighter 4's Balrog theme. Have a great week, guys. <laughs>